When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, this is Emily Swallow, the armorer from The Mandalorian, and you are listening to the Canned Air Podcast. This is the way. Welcome to another episode of Candair, your tribute to pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley, and I've got another good conversation for you guys this week. I got the opportunity to talk with a screen and voice actor who's done voices in video games like Battlefield Bad Companies 1 and 2, Battlefield 3, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and a bunch of the Lego games, Dimensions, Ninjago, Marvel Super Heroes 2, and the list just keeps going on. He's also provided voices for shows like Thunderbirds Are Go, Thomas and Friends, Bob the Builder, and he's shared the screen with Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep, Hugh Grant, and more. But most recently, he's provided the voice of Luke Skywalker in the Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga that just came out at the beginning of April. I got to talk to actor David Menken today. And it was a fun conversation. Talk all about how he got started in the business, all the different roles he's done, some of the highlights throughout his career so far, and of course, voicing Luke Skywalker in Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. But before we get to the conversation, first I want to thank the people over at Cool Waters Productions LLC for setting this conversation up. If you go to coolwatersproductions.com, and there's going to be a link attached to this episode that you can just follow if you'd like. But if you go over there, you'll find David along with all the other amazing actors that are represented by Cool Waters LLC. And you can also check their appearances tab to see exactly where some of the people they represent are going to be making appearances in the future. So again, coolwatersproductions.com. And second, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And if you like what we're doing, want to show some support, head over to CannedAirPodcast.com where there's two ways you can support us there. The merch tab, you can get t-shirts, stickers, mugs, and up in the top left-hand corner, if you're looking on your computer, I'm not sure where that button is if you're on your phone, but there's a Patreon button. It'll take you over to our Patreon page. For 5 to $10 a month, you can get access to the Candair Patreon pod and many other projects we've done over the years. There's a, quite a catalog building over there, so check that out. And if you don't have the means to support us financially, just head over to your podcast player of choice and leave us a review because it truly does help other than just making us feel good about ourselves. And with nothing more to say, let's just cut right over to my conversation with David Menken. David, thanks so much for taking time to be on the show today, man. It's really an honor to speak with you. Oh, my absolute pleasure. 
I'm really excited uh, to talk about Luke and Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga, which is out now, came out April 5th, I believe. And I've heard your performance and holy hell, man, you sound just like him. It's, it's nuts how much you sound like Mark Hamill. So I'm very excited to speak about that. But before we do, I just kind of wanted to jump back uh, to where your career in acting begins. Sure. I was uh, a little musical theater kid. And I went off to NYU to study there. Okay. I did a summer course there, and then I, I went and did the, uh, did the bachelor there. And then, as people do, because of family situations, ran out of money. Uh, but I came back to London where I'd grown up. I'd been to an American school just outside London. And um, so this is sort of the closest thing to home that I have, because my dad worked in oil, so we moved around the world. And um, I came back here... Um, lost my mind while temping for a year, earned some money, and then uh, did a postgraduate diploma here. And after that, um, my first job coming out was a film called Wit with uh, Emma Thompson and Mike Nichols. Wow! And I thought, I thought, I you know, this was my trajectory, and uh, nothing was going to stop me. And um, it, lots of stuff stopped me. <laughs> I, I, I had to, I had to get creative. Um, I, uh, I was, you know, I was doing, uh, shows on boats and, and all kinds of stuff like that. But then at the same time, I got a chance to work, uh, doing something called continuity at a TV station, which meant that I got to talk in between programs. So okay. like it meant that I had to write my stuff or like... yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, it meant that I also was sort of in editorial control of a TV channel uh, late at night. So I, I learned how to run everything and, and stuff oh, like that'd that. Be fun. But what happened was that, I mean, I was terrible when I first started, <laughs> uh, as a voiceover artist, I was awful. Uh, but I had no choice but to get better. So, right. I was sitting in a studio every single day. And what I started doing was um, listening to amazing performances of people and, and listening to what people did with their voices. And I sort of, and this was before, um, at least in London, there were classes for that kind of stuff. So I taught myself to, I sort of started mimicking people and started understanding how, like the rise and fall of things and, and how, to, how to use your voice for effect. And wow. from that, I got myself an agent, a voice agent. And, um, and while I worked as an actor, I then had a chance to start doing uh, voiceovers. And then I moved into animation. So my first job in animation was I was Scoop and Bob the Builder. Uh, it's strange, but they record two different versions of it. They record an English version and an American version. So I did the American version based out of London for some weird reason. <laughs> and then... <clears throat> And then started doing Thomas and Friends and, and all that kind of stuff. And then from there, lots more animation. And then I got to, I had my first lead in a game. I did a game called Battlefield Bad Company. Um, I remember that game, is, yeah. Yeah, which was sort of, it sort of changed the way, um, the way they thought that games could work. So they had like, you know, it was funny. It was, it was a little bit, you know, a little bit rude and and right. people loved it and um and at the same time i started moving into film and tv so i sort of had this weird thing where i was a film and tv actor and uh and a voice actor and that's how i've continued because wow. of course somebody when i was younger said you know you got to choose one thing and i don't like choosing one thing i like i like doing everything yeah why would you want to just choose one thing yeah. why not do it all so that was my my rambling answer to your very simple question 
No, but, I, uh, I enjoy the long road to, uh, to get to an answer. <laughs> I enjoy that. You know, there's so many things. You pointed out a few things you've already done. Uh, so many video games, uh, television shows, and uh, even movies. There's one I wanted to ask you about, though. Uh, your sure. performance as Brad in A Hologram for the King. Uh, that was a <laughs> yeah. good movie, man. And I just was curious, like, uh, one, about your experience filming that movie. Was it really uh, filmed in Saudi Arabia or no? Uh, no. So we uh, we weren't allowed to film in Saudi Arabia. I was uh, going to so, say. Yeah, it's, to give your listeners an idea. Um, so it's it's a film by Tom Tickver who made... Um, who made Run Lola Run, and he was one of the co-directors on uh, on Cloud Atlas, and he's also worked on Matrix Resurrections. Oh wow! And he and Tom Hanks worked together on Cloud Atlas, and they really enjoyed working together. And then they took this Dave Eggers book and turned it into a movie. And um, there is a little sequence that is filmed in Mecca in Saudi Arabia, and we got into a lot of trouble for it. Um, Seriously? And, uh, yeah. Um, and But the rest of it we filmed in um, in Morocco and in Germany, believe it or not. No kidding. And, uh, yeah. And uh, so, so what I got was um, a chance to uh, sit in the desert um, in Morocco and just, you know, listen to Tom Hanks tell stories all day. And then when we, he, when you know, when he wasn't telling stories, I was doing scenes with him, and um, it was it was one of the best experiences of my life. Really, it was pretty awesome, I'm and I made sure lifelong friends on it. And it was a sort of the first movie that I I got to spend a really long time getting to know everybody involved in it, and right. uh, I can highly recommend it. When you said you guys got in trouble, uh, what kind of trouble are you talking about? Um, I don't think they mind me talking about it. We had we had an, an amazing uh, Saudi cultural, I guess, cultural advisor, but he was, uh, but then he was also the director for the Saudi um, section, and it was to drive this really old, beaten up car, and uh, they needed sections of them driving into Mecca, and I don't know if you know, but if you are not a Muslim, you are not allowed to enter Mecca. Right. The film, and there's like, the sequence really where made that clear. Yeah. <laughs> but there's there's a sequence where Tom Hanks' character is driven driven around and they're driving around and they inadvertently drive into Mecca and they're freaking out about it because they they know the trouble that he could get in and they could get in. So they needed footage of that happening. So what they did was they imported the car and they got this guy guerrilla style to drive around and they got another car and they and they filmed this whole section there and they didn't tell anyone about uh, anyone about it but of course when the movie came out the 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 Saudi authorities found out about it and our Saudi um amazing uh cultural uh, advisor was invited for tea at the information ministry and um had a lovely conversation but while he was having the conversation a lot of people were freaking out because they were very worried about him because right. he had done something to do them a favor. Um, and uh, he's also the most charming man you'll ever meet. So, of course, he made friends with everybody and taught them a new a new way to film because, of course, you know, very, very white fabric on film can really mess with the camera. So, right. uh, and they, for this movie, they invented a whole new thing where they they dipped absolutely Every single piece of clothing in tea, so they brought everything down, 
Wow, and therefore really? the white the white wasn't as brilliant, but it ended up looking bright. So right. so he changed how they film things in Saudi Arabia because of that. So uh, so yeah, um, I just hope I didn't give away a big secret, but um, <laughs> but it's while it's a while ago now, and. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, uh, so I think uh, he came out of it really, really well. And of course, you know, they just, I think they were just pissed off that they, that, you know, it, it happened uh, without them knowing about it. Um, And um, um, yeah, and they now have a burgeoning um, uh, film industry. There's movies being made in Saudi at the moment, Uh, big action movies and stuff like that. So, uh, so they're pushing, they're, they're making it happen. So the the scene where you are uh, in the tent and, you know, you're showing the king the hologram, you, you know, yourself yeah. there like on a tablet and interacting with the hologram across from you. How was that actually filmed? Was there actually somebody standing there you were interacting with or was that just put in in post? No, that was Ben Wishaw. Um, ben Wishaw is sort of one of Tom Tickford's muses. And Ben Wishaw, he was Q in the in the Bond movies. He's a very famous um, actor over here in the UK. Uh, but he um, he is, I think, Tom Tickford's favorite actor. And he wanted him somehow in the film, even though he wasn't in it. So he played this hologram. Um, and um, who's he's this guy sitting in the States, and and we sort of interact with uh, with him. And I had to do all of my stuff just with air. And then a few months later, I was um, out at a club at night and I saw him and I went up to him and I went, Ben, we're colleagues, but we've never worked together. And he went, I just filmed with you. And, uh, <laughs> and that was, um, so uh, he said it in a very, very English accent, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it was, uh, it was this weird situation where I got to improvise loads and loads and loads of stuff. And then they picked the stuff they wanted. Uh, and picked the right eyeline for me and stuff like that. And then they got Ben to come in later to um, to film his stuff. And I know that's a technology that's out there. It's not really prominent technology, but it definitely exists. It's uh, It was just such yeah. a cool scene. And it was, um, yeah, we had, uh, we had a hell of a lot of fun on that shoot. And I think it's available on Netflix, at least in most countries. So... Take a look. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've seen it, but uh, yeah, for anyone who hasn't, check it out. A hologram for the king. All right, man. Let's talk about Luke Skywalker. Again, yeah. your performance as Luke is brilliant. Like, it, I haven't played the game yet, but I've watched a lot of like the scenes where you're speaking on YouTube, and it baffles me how much you sound like Mark Hamill. I mean, thank you, first of all. Um, let's, well, let's just say it was, I was elated when I got the job, but then I realized the issue of, of the fandom and making sure that I honored, um, Mark Hamill's performance and that I, at the same time, honored what they want from the Lego performances where, you know, it's slightly reverent. It's, and it's also, it's also for kids. So therefore sometimes we couldn't go as far as as they did in the films we had to you know we had to scale it back you know when sure. uh, at the you know the father moment uh, spoiler alert uh, <laughs> i i couldn't i couldn't get as upset as luke did in the movie because uh, because we uh, you know they said you know this is an introduction to star wars for for kids you have to keep that in mind it's also something for the fans who absolutely love it so i i realized quickly how much of um 
of a challenge it was. So I think I think I prepared for this job more than anything else ever. And I mean, I mean, preparing by watching movies. I mean, that's 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 a nice thing to do. Yeah, so. Sure, that's fun work, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Man, it's like you can see my tablet. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. You know, that fan base is so passionate and sometimes uh, can be rabid. You know, I just. Yeah, there, there had to be an overwhelming amount of, uh, I, I want to say pressure, but maybe not, that's not the right word just uh, to to make them happy, I guess. Yeah. And I know, I know some, some of them. Um, and wow. I couldn't tell them. So I don't know if you know, but I recorded this in 2018. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, wow. I started work on this in 2018. And um, halfway through... <laughs> I had to go to San Francisco for a film film festival, and I I took I had an afternoon off, so I went down to the Lucas Arts campus that's right by the Golden Gate Bridge, okay. and I wanted to take a picture at the fountain with um, the R two D two and C three PO. I was like, so that I could show that I was there, and people were just being rude, and the I saw the security guard getting getting really like kind of miffed, so I went up to him and I was like is it okay that we're, we're doing this? Do you mind that we're here taking photos? And he went, I really don't mind when people ask. And then he just opened what? the door to, to the reception area and he let me go in and I got to take a picture with the actual R2-D2 oh. body and, and lots of props and, and, you know, lightsabers and all kinds of stuff. So I was in there going, I just wanted to scream, I belong. But of course, right. I couldn't say anything. <laughs> I couldn't say anything to anyone. <laughs> 2018, that's a long time to uh, bite yeah. your tongue on something like yeah. that. Man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had a pandemic. We had, you know, the, the poor people at TT Games had to completely pivot and work from home and, and stuff like that. So things got things got severely delayed. But um, I think that what we got out of it is 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 pretty, pretty epic. Right. But uh, but yeah, it's been a really really long long time to hold, to keep a secret, and so the only people that I was like, allowed to talk to about it was um, my agents and and the the place where I where I did the recordings, and I've, I didn't even I I wasn't even allowed to know who else worked on it. No so, kidding. Yeah. Oh, the NDAs were tight. There were it sounds like yeah, it. there were wow. lasers on my forehead on a regular basis. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so I I honored I honored everything, but uh, it's it's really nice to be able to talk about it now. I bet it is. I'm big weight off the shoulders. I'm so yeah. uh, bowled over that the guy had such a problem with you wanting to take a photo next to that statue. I would imagine that tons of people would be doing that daily. Oh, that was the thing. Everybody was doing it, but I came up to the security guard and and because there, people were sort of shoving him out of the way, and so I just went up to him and sort of went you know, are, are you okay with us doing this? And because I asked politely, he then let me in to I the see. inner sanctum. So, so yeah, I, um, it helps to be, helps to be polite, I guess. Um, I would say so. so. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I got, I got a picture with R2, which is pretty amazing. Pretty darn cool. Yeah. So I guess that already answers my question of, uh, you grew up a Star Wars fan. Obviously you probably did. Yeah. Well, I was born in 77. So, oh, uh, so I, out, right? yeah, so I did not get to see that one, but my, so I, um, I was born in, uh, in Norway. My dad's from the States, but, um, 
I was born there, and my dad took me to um, to see two uh, or five, uh, depending right. on how you <laughs> do your numbering. You uh, yeah, right. exactly. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so that um, that and ET, uh, those two movies were were the, the the films that sort of shaped me when I was a kid. Right. Um, and um, I, it's it stayed with me. I uh, I remember I was in New York when when the the prequels came out. I I went to the Ziegfeld Theater and um, and uh, screamed uh, and shouted when uh, when it was that was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. And yeah, I the thing is though that because I work in the industry. Uh, because I I do this for a living, I'm not the kind of person who sort of uh, becomes a, a a full member of the fandom, because because I I want to work in it, I want to do it, so right. I can't throw myself away. Uh, but I'll tell you one thing, they did something called Secret Cinema over here, which is coming to the states, where you it's it, you go in, um, you dress up for the occasion. And then you turn up at this place, and it's an interactive experience. And then it ends with you watching, um, watching the movie. And this was in a massive old print works in in East London, and it was um, Empire Strikes Back. Cool. But what happened was when we when we entered, you were taken on a shuttle, which was just an elevator and stuff like that. And you came down, and suddenly you were in Tatooine. Oh wow! And around the corner comes. R2-D2, bleep, bloop, bleeping. And I didn't realize what an effect it would have on me. So my friends had to take me away because I started crying. Oh, man, that's <laughs> awesome, though. I, so I've, I've always been saying it's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I don't have the same kind of reactions. Like, you know, I don't have a full, like, fan reaction. I had to be taken away from R2-D2 because I was sobbing. So uh, I have nothing to say. So I, yeah, um, I am a full-on fan. My friends can tell you that. Wow. So, and, and what's your uh, favorite film of the bunch? New Hope. It's, yeah. 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 Has to be. Um, it's just special to me. I get it. And uh, yeah. And especially now. So. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So it had to have been even more thrilling to get the role that you were going to be voicing Luke. That's incredible, man. Congratulations to you. Thank you. We're going to take a break here and jump to a quick commercial, but don't go anywhere when we come back more with David Menken. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, you know, you not only voiced Luke Skywalker, but you voiced him, uh, you know, as as an older man, you know, from the newer films. No, I didn't. You didn't? That's the thing. No, we talked about it, and I said to them that um, if you want me to do that, I'm going to have to really scream and, 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 and sort of mess up mess up my my voice a little bit before each session because the thing is that Mark Hamill he is an amazing actor and he's a vocal acrobat. I I like to think of myself as one too. But he has done some amazing things to his voice and that has 
created this amazing texture on his on his vocal cords. Right. And I really, really wanted to stay true to the first three films uh, of him. And we talked about it and they said, that's fine. We can, we can hire someone else. And I don't know if it's official, but um, it's an amazing, amazing actor called Nathan Osgood who plays Master. Um, okay. Um, Luke Skywalker, um, as I, far as I know, but of course they are, everyone is is has been so secretive about it. So um, I think it's him. I haven't had I haven't had actual proof of it, but yeah, uh, he did an amazing job there too. So right. Um, yeah, but it was it was something that came up in conversation. But I'm I'm kind of glad that I I sort of stuck to the younger younger years for him. Sure. Because he did, he did develop so much vocally anyway through those three films. So my, I had my work cut out anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I apologize. I feel like a perfect ass. I was uh, online trying to find a credit uh, for Master Luke Skywalker, you know, old Luke, but I couldn't yeah. find one. So I just assumed you had done both. No. And the thing is, they've kept everything so, so secret. Right. So we're uh, you know in the um in the end credits it's just all of our names alphabetically so you can't even see who it is so it's um a few of us were you know finally given permission to actually say that who we played so you know like even I, now that the game is out there's still like that level of secrecy on it or yeah i think it's 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 starting to uh it's it's starting to dampen down and i think people are are being allowed to talk about their involvement now yeah yeah. It's crazy. I would expect once, you know, like once the game like hits the shelves, like it's like, all right, go, you know, everyone go ahead. But it, it, it it's still a process. Like, uh, no, I, I had to wait two days after the film, uh, after, after the game was released before I could, uh, before I could talk about it. That's crazy. But I get you don't, it. Yeah, exactly. You've, you've got to let, you've got to let people have the magic. You've got to let people have the experience and you, and the thing is, and I completely understand we're not the story here. Uh, you know, the, it, it is, they are all, they, uh, the characters are the story. And I completely honor that. Uh, but hey, it's been really nice to be able to talk about it. I bet. <laughs> That's cool though. I didn't, I never thought about that, but yeah, you don't want to, uh, pull them out from that immersion. Yeah. So, yeah. So when you are in the booth, you know, voicing Luke or really any other character, um, mm. what are you like? Are you very animated? Do you sit still? What 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 do you do in the booth to help get your performance across? Um, unless unless the character is sitting or lying down, um, I am standing uh, because it makes it so that I can plant myself very easily, and then I'm very free to move. So so I anchor. Uh, it's called yeah. Uh, at least here, it's called anchoring, which then means that my hips are free. Uh, and my arms are free, and as long as I don't get in the way of the microphone, I can mm -hmm. move around. So you know, I, I can, I, if I'm running, you know, I don't have to, I don't have I to see. do anything but up, move my upper body. I can, I can put physicality into what I'm doing, and um, this is going to be the weirdest cut if you ever cut that bit out of the <laughs> podcast. Um, wow. Um, yeah. No uh, worries. And, I won't do that to you. I promise. <laughs> um, but you know. It gives me the opportunity to do whatever I need to do, and I like to mark up my scripts with any kind of physicality or anything like that. So, um, and I, I bring those into into what I'm doing. Um, so, uh, and then, but the thing is that with games, it's um, it's usually just you by yourself in the booth. Sure. Um, 
I mean, I'm at the moment I'm working on something where we have an ensemble record, they call it, and it's me and two other people. And it's amazing because we get to, we get to interact with each other. Otherwise, right. it's just me and the voice director and the engineer and the, and the producers from, and the game developers and so on. So I um, have to practice something. And this is not, this is not my word. It's, I, I've heard it from someone who heard it from someone else. And it's called uh, theater of the mind. And you, you learn as much as you can about where we are in the story, what's happening, what's going on, and then you create the moment. But what happens is that in games, we have branches. And the thing is that, so what happens is that you have one thing that happens, and then you as the player has a choice. You can go do one thing or another. And what, what I have to do together with the director is make sure that we stay on the branch and then we work together, and usually the branch comes together at the end to one thing. There's a lot of technical stuff that we have to keep an eye on and that we have sure. to keep in mind so that the story can flow. And so my job is to create it, to create something believable and very, very much in the moment so that, um, so that the, the player never feels like they're thrown out or ever feels like, you know, like in the old days when, when it's, you know, Hey, how about you go and pick up those rings from Marty's house right, you know, down the street, right. which was sort of your next checkpoint type of thing. Sure. But now, now it's, it's like a movie. We are all, all we're doing is making it feel like you are making all the choices happen. We don't ever want you to feel like, like we're forcing you down a path. You as the right. player get, get to choose it yourself. And that's what's so amazing about gaming. So, right. So with all these different, uh, you know, like you were saying, branches and paths that uh, the player is allowed to take then, I imagine you spent a lot of time in the, in the booth recording all these different reactions and different uh, lines of dialogue, yeah. depending on what they did. How long were you, do you have an idea of how many hours you spent uh, recording? Oh, man, I don't, I don't remember that, that much with this, but with Luke, it was um, very specific as to what I was doing. So it was, it was sort of a very controlled amount of hours um but then at the end we did something called you know we we did grunts and uh and actions and so like so so when when luke jumps it's you know you you have to think of well is it a short jump is it a long jump is it a medium jump and you have to do all those things and you also um and um what happens when he falls what happens when when he gets hit what happens when he he um, does something physical? And what I had to do, of course, was to choose something that could go across all three films energetically, and it d w so it, it could sound like um, like Luke on Tatooine, and it could also sound like um, uh, you know uh, like Luke with the Emperor on on Death Star Mark II, right? You know. Um, so, so we had to, we had to make sure that that was, was the case. I hope sort of by talking about it, I'm not taking sort of the magic away from it, but it's, it's really cool and kind of nerdy and, and fun because you sort of are, are trying to, you're trying to solve a puzzle while you're doing it. I mean, maybe there are some people that wouldn't want to hear that, but for me, you know, a big part of the magic of television, movies, you know, is is the behind the scenes. Uh, are the people yeah. that make it happen, how it's made, you know, finding out the people who, and like how they had their hands in the project that uh, inspired me or made me have a, just a good time. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, totally agree with you. 
So I definitely encourage people to pick up the game. I'm going to have to try it out. I don't play too many video games nowadays, but boy, oh boy, am I a Star Wars fan. I just I can't get enough of it. So I might have to uh, try it out. Sounds really cool. I hope you will. Uh, one more question here for you. Uh, you've done so many, so many things over the years, so many different video games, television shows, and you've you know shared the screen with the likes of like, you know, we've already mentioned Tom Hanks, but like Meryl Streep, Hugh Grant, and the list just goes on. You've done so many amazing things in your career uh, so far. Is there a single project or a experience that really so far stands above the rest for you? I mean, one of them was doing Hologram for the King with uh, with Tom Hanks and Tom Tickfer. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess I can bring it into uh, the world of voicing. And the, the biggest experience of my life so far when it came to that was going to Comic-Con in San Diego. I was I was on a show called Thunderbirds or Go, which is based on the old Thunderbirds, and it was rebooted in 2015. And uh, and I played Gordon and Virgil Tracy in that. And Amazon bought it, and suddenly we had a massive, uh, you know, a thing that people could interactive thing because Weta made all of our models and and stuff like that. So oh, so they were involved, and you could sit on Thunderbird two. So you you could sit in the cockpit of a spaceship, oh, and, sweet. and you know uh, it's yeah the pictures on my IMDb. And then we did uh, we did a, a you know a panel um, in one of the halls, and then we get we got to walk through the con and. To tell you the truth, like the, there's there's two cons that I've I've really done. It's WonderCon in LA and and Comic Con, and seeing this kind of th- what how seriously people take it is right. absolutely amazing. I loved it, and then you know that it ended with me being on a yacht with Stanley oh, um, at the end of the evening. I was jet lagged out of my nut. I just felt like I was in a fever dream. But yeah. um, <laughs> never stop pinching I, yourself. <laughs> exactly. Right. So that was that was an amazing experience. Um, but I am the thing is that I get to do what I love. I call myself a lucky workaholic, and um, I get to do so many fun things so often, and I'm I'm just the luckiest guy. On a yacht with Stan. Lee. Who else can say that other than the few people who are probably on the yacht there with you? That's incredible. Yeah. Ridiculous. It's, it, so, it sounds like I'm lying. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But I know you're not. I know you're not. Wow. I, I could sit here and talk to you for an hour probably just on that night, but I'm not going to do that to you. It's been fun. I, <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you so much for uh, taking time to be here today. And again, congratulations uh, on finally getting able to talk about Luke. It's so cool, man. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. All right. And there it was, my conversation with David Menken. I want to thank him so much for taking time to come by the show. And again, I want to thank the people over at Cool Waters Productions, LLC, for setting this up for us. And if you head over to coolwatersproductions.com, again, I'm going to have that uh, URL in the description of this episode. You can check out David and all the other amazing actors they represent and uh, check on their appearances where they're going to be in the future. And check David out on social media. He's on Instagram and Twitter, both at David Menken. And then after that, you can find us on social media if you haven't already. We're on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air and CandairPodcast.com. You can check out 
all the past episodes, some of our special guests, some videos, and there's a merch tab where you can get t-shirts, mugs, and stickers, and a button that takes you straight to our Patreon page if you want to get extra content for a little bit of money each month. And don't forget to check out evergreenpodcasts.com, Evergreen Podcast Network, the network we're very proud to be a part of. We just recently got to visit and had such an amazing time there. I encourage you to get on their website and to check us out and to check out all the other amazing podcasts that are there. So once again, evergreenpodcasts.com. And I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. Be excellent to each other. Oh, no! Don't run! It'll only make things worse! What? Remember, you never want to approach a stray dog, especially one that's foaming at the mouth. Get away from the animal as quickly as you can and tell a grown-up. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! I don't know if you saw, but... um... Mark Hamill added, he tweeted at me yesterday. Did he really? He, he said, welcome, David Menken. Yeah. I, I just, I didn't know, I didn't know how to react. So I just sat very quietly and, and was just sweating for 15 minutes. That's all I could do. I didn't know, I didn't know what else to do. Well, if you, if you're going to cry at seeing <laughs> R2, man, I would imagine that you were probably yeah. almost comatose. Yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty big. And then, and then this morning I did seven hours on um, internet safety uh, for a corporate video. So I was brought firmly back down to earth. So uh... <laughs> real world comes shining back through the moment. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this has been a Canned Air production. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On PressBox Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on PressBox Access. 